Hi, my name is Darren Josevich. We are a team of tax advisors that seek to demystify the sometimes confusing world of cross-border tax. And today I have the honor and the privilege of chatting with Mr. Louis. Um, Louis, you want to introduce yourself? Well, my name is Louis. Uh, I'm from Singapore. Uh -huh. I'm a personal wealth manager and I deal uh, a lot with, I would say, high net worth and also people from around the region. Uh, who wants to like manage your wealth here in Singapore? Fantastic. So we have three questions, which we go three or four questions, which we go through in turn, and we and the questions were so interesting and so you know it's, it's questions that are easily misunderstood. So yes. we're just taking the opportunity to record this Q and A and share it with you. Hope it helps. So the first question is the cash surrender value on an insurance policy bought in Singapore taxable by the US. Now, it's definitely reportable on your FBARs, your foreign bank account report, otherwise known as FinCEN 114. Uh, but, you know, and this is not a new rule. It's been around before uh, for a long time, probably since the Bank Secrecy Act of 1970. So it's reportable, definitely. Uh, assuming that your maximum aggregate balance exceeds the 10K, we could discuss that separately. But most people who are US exposed, you should be aware of the FBAR rules. If it is, you trigger FBARs, you need to throw the CSV, the cash surrender value of your insurance policy on that report as well. If it is that you have more assets and you trigger Form 8938, otherwise known as the Statement of Foreign Financial Assets, which came around and FATCA has been around for a while, not as long as FinCEN 114, but it's been around for a while. So if you trigger 8938, then you need to throw the CSV for the insurance policy on that as well. So it's definitely reportable. Now, what is everybody kind of knew that what is also what is not well known is under IRC 4371, it requires policyholders to file a quarterly excise tax form. This is form 720. You can Google it, check the IRS website to report and pay a 1% excise tax on insurance premiums paid to foreign life insurance. That's not very well known, but it's 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 something definitely to, to explore with your, your chosen tax professional. Frankly, when people call the IRS, the average agent that answers the phone is, is not aware of it as well. So it is not very well known, but it is one of the rules, right? Now, insurance company take the, the these foreign companies, like any insurance company, not whether domestic or foreign, they take the policy premiums and they invest them. The investments are in turn used to pay the death benefits, medical benefits, or when someone cashes out in policy, right? So that is obvious now the cash surrender value of this the cash value of the policy increases as premiums are paid and as the investment grows now the investment portion of it is normally tax deferred what i mean by that is no tax will be paid on the cash value unless the policyholder cashes out of the policy potentially then maybe triggered right now the policyholder may have to pay tax on the investment gain now the death benefit or the f or the face value of the policy is paid to beneficiaries tax free normally, but we'll touch on some qualifiers and that later. Now, 
insurance companies in the U.S. are heavily regulated, right? Just like any finance, big financial institution. And policyholders, in return, they receive deferred tax treatment on the gains. Now, foreign life insurance policies generally are not considered as qualifying life insurance products for U.S. tax purposes. Consequently, uh, we're looking at Section 7702, specifically 7702 G1, requires that the policyholder of a foreign life insurance policy to report any gains inside each year. But what do I mean by gain? And it, it's pretty complex and perhaps beyond the scope of this kind of quick exchange that we're having right now, which is very, very high level. But generally speaking, it means the annual income in the contract is the excess of the sum of the increase in the net surrender value during the year plus the cost of the life insurance protection provided during the year, uh, less the, the premiums paid during the year. So basically, if there's growth in the the value of the cash surrender value in excess of the premiums paid plus the cost of life insurance protection then that growth may be taxable so you need to speak with your chosen tax professional now we come to the elephant in the room which is where most people are concerned and they want to talk about this this is pfix passive foreign investment companies right so pfix are typically the bane of the expat tax payer so that U.S. exposed person living outside of the U.S., they live in fear of, of uh, PFIX. And they're quite common in Singapore, but other parts, the U.K., and, and uh, we see them lots of clients in France with the assurance fees. But so basically, a lot of insurance products that are basically wrappers, but essentially, there are lots of insurance products, yeah, not just in Singapore, but our clients in the UK, our clients in France, especially, they, because there are lots of tax advantage products that are tax advantage from a domestic perspective. So when the expat lands in those jurisdictions, they're highly incentivized to explore those options, but they're tax disadvantaged from a US perspective. So Again, it may be beyond the scope, but essentially, and this is very, very, very high level, you're looking at products that are uh, more or less self-directed. If it is that you have some say or you exercise some control in the underlying investments, sometimes they ask you, what's your risk profile? Is it ABC or you can choose this or that? Once you have any choice, so it becomes, you, you cross a line and again, this is very, very high level. It's very nuanced. You cross the line from it being just like a regular insurance product to it actually being an investment product under the, the guise of an insurance policy. So if so, you're looking at uh, tax-free treatment under sections 9, 1291 to 1298 of the Inland Revenue Code. So essentially, you'll be paying, obviously, tax on the gains like you would typically, but it'll be tax... It, it, it's 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 structured in a way to combat tax deferrals so you would be taxed ordinary income rates on any holding gains so like if you have the navs and that's the navs the net asset value if it if it increases year on year then that that uh gain may be taxed as ordinary income which of course creates tax flow issues cash flow issues because you have phantom gains you didn't it wasn't distributed to you. You didn't get it. It's not in your pocket, but you need to pay tax on it at ordinary tax rates, which for high income earners like our clients, that could be, you know, uh, it's pretty aggressive, right? And yeah, so it, it could be up to 37%. 
And plus, remember that typically these products aren't taxed domestically. So you don't even have like foreign tax credits on that typically to offset against that. So yeah, so yeah, it, it gets it gets kind of messy. It's not to say that you shouldn't do, I'm not giving investment advice. I'm not saying that, hey, you shouldn't invest in any uh, mutual funds or any uh, tax advantage products from a domestic perspective. All I say is you need to get advice, you need to be aware of the pros and cons, and you need to make an informed decision. So if you're a six, seven, or eight-figure investor, entrepreneur, or business owner who needs a tailor-made solution from a qualified team of professionals, we can help you achieve the international lifestyle, the freedom, and even the tax savings you're looking for. Visit us at htj.tax and live that international life.